Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Jen Ward. We're going to be talking about her journey in her new book, The SFT Lexicon, and also talking about the techniques that she uses or has even um, refined, used and refined the SFT tapping. So, Jen Ward's SFT Lexicon provides a roadmap and an easy-to-follow guidebook for anyone who is seeking to transform and uplift themselves as a stepping stone to transcendence, higher consciousness, and enlightenment. It shows the reader how to, how to apply the simple yet immensely powerful spiritual freedom technique to resolve whatever issue or issues might be preventing them from experiencing joy, love, abundance, freedom, health, success, and wholeness. These issues could be physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual, and their genesis could lie in this life or in a past life. Jen has been using and refining SFT tapping for many years, working with the adepts, spiritual masters, to uplift humanity in one-on-one client sessions. The fruits of that work are a vast number of unique sets of taps, each of which was used successfully to address one of the literally hundreds of different physical, emotional, or psychological conditions, as well as spiritual issues. Um, For more information, you can visit Jen's website, which is genuinehealing.com, but that's genuine with a J. J-E-N-U-I-N-E, healing.com. Genuine, with a J, healing.com. Okay, with that, I'd like to welcome, um, excuse me, uh, Jen to the show. Good day, Jen. Hi, Robert. Thank you for having me. Hi, everybody. You're very welcome. And um, now I do want to let listeners know that um, after uh, halfway through the show, when we have our, our, our short break, that um, Jen is open to taking questions from callers. Um, so if you would like to call in and, and speak to Jen, uh, you can call in at 619-789-4359. Um, and if you want her to even maybe see if she can help you, that would also be be open to doing that. So. Okay, Jen. Well, let's first start. Boy, um, you have a, a very interesting history. <laughs> so, if you wouldn't mind sharing with the listeners uh, just a little bit um, about your journey Ooh, and um, what's got you up to what you're doing. <laughs> okay, so, so yeah, so my whole purpose of being here on Earth is to obviously help other people. My um, personal journey has been one of really horrific backgrounds, a lot of abuse, emotional, psychological, physical abuse. And what it's done is it's taught me to have incredible compassion for anybody that I um, come in contact with because of, um, because 
of the commonality of of understanding what they've been through, I can actually connect to them on a really deep level. And I don't believe there's anything on this earth that I can't have compassion for or connect to to help release it. Wow. So let's, you know, okay, with that um, abuse as a um, kind of a foundation in a way that kind of, you know, led you, I'm sure, to doing the work that you're doing. So what um, I noticed that, you know, when you you were, um, when I was reading the introduction that indicated that you work with the adepts, that, that you, first of all, that you, you are able to perceive people or situations energetically. And so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about how you um, how you discovered that as a part of your you know the facet of who you are and, and how did, was it the abuse that kind of led to helping you make that connection? Yeah. So, good question. So, I never realized the incredible depth of the abuse, you know, because when it's your own life, you just think that's the way it is and stuff. I knew I was a have-not, but I didn't really understand the depth Mm -hmm. of the abuse, you know. Um, Yeah. Just, but, um, what's been a miracle for me is that, um, looking back on my life, like someone asked me to, Name a joyful experience from your childhood. I couldn't name just, I couldn't name one. I couldn't name, I have never been loved, never been held by, you know, the mother or the siblings, always the scapegoat. And, and, but what's the miracle about all of that is that I have this incredible capacity to love. And, and I'm wondering where that came from, except that I know, like, um, like when I used to go to sleep and, when I was a little girl and, and they used to like scare me that the house was going to burn down while I slept and I was terrified. And so this, this comfort came from within and it was like these, um, these beings and they nurtured me and they said, Oh no, no, we didn't bring you all this way for you to like perish in a fire. Don't you worry. You're going to be just fine. And it was like the first time I felt loved, and safe, mm-hmm. and even listened to. So, so um, from all the abuse, I just learned to tune out all the negativity from the outer world and tune into the beauty and the love of the inner world. And that's what I've helped nurture. And because I have done it so much in this lifetime, I've been able to formulate and articulate more around how to perceive an energy, like animals perceive an energy. Humans do as mm-hmm. well, but we we lost the gift of it because of the outer um, diversions and distractions. So what part of what I do is I help people realize the depth of how they really do perceive an energy and, and to reconnect with their compassion and their kindness and and all those things that, you know, we used to believe in in this world, and I don't know when we gave them up, but but th- those are still real. And, and that's, where, yeah. that's where the depth of your abilities are, your purpose is in, in developing that connection back with, with life again and kindness. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, I know, I know. We need so much more of that. Now, mm-hmm. now you said the the connection that you got. Now, you, um, when I read it, you call them the adepts. You know, or so tell us why why you call them that. You know, and, and what to to you, what do you feel is their purpose? Okay, so the adepts are different than the the adepts. Everybody has spirit guides that they work with. But the interesting thing about the adepts is they use, they um, have kept the um, physical form. And um, when I was in my lifetime as Madame Blavatsky, I used to go around the world. I traveled around the world, and I actually met with them physically. And um, these beings are meant to to help assist humanity in, in going from just being, like, primal and just, you know, we shouldn't be, like, beating each other up anymore. We shouldn't be doing this. We've been conditioned to be pitted against each other. So the adepts are training individuals to to um, to understand their own omniscience, their own omnipotence, and a, their own omnipresence so that they can be godlike beings in their own world. That's the upgrade. The problem is, is that everyone misunderstands what this guidance is about. As a matter of fact, I'm giving a workshop this Sunday at 2 p.m. on um, befriending the adepts. Because one of the issues with um, connecting with your spirit guides is people who want to worship them and want to feel unworthy in front of them. Like a lot of people are looking for their spirit guides, but once you put yourself mm-hmm. in a position of um, deference, like unworthiness, then that's the wrong vibration to connect with the adepts. So you have to do the opposite. You have to, um, using the SFT-TAP protocol is a way to, like, remove the negative vibrations that prevent you from connecting to the adepts and interacting with them and learning from them like I have learned from them. Because the wisdom is incredible. The love is incredible. The truth is incredible. Yeah, we, I mean, it's, 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 I think there people are really interested in um, making connections, you know. So that's and that was kind of the reason I also wanted to find out how it happened for you, you know, because um, there are listeners out there who, I mean, might be in the very same, you know, situation right. that you used to be in and experiencing the same thing, but just not know what it is, you know. Right. Well, and, here's um, the thing: I make it easy for them. I understand that incredible pain. Everybody has a rough life. You know, that's why I don't like to talk about what a rough life I've had. So what? Boo-hoo. Everyone has it rough. (laughs) (laughs) And so the SFT protocol is actually a means for every individual, no matter who they are. They don't have to have special talents. They don't have to be beautiful. They don't have to be rich. All they have to do is show up and do the tapping for themselves, and they can remove all the blockages to feeling and being empowered and actually knowing their purpose. Because besides the abuse, the other thing that people, you know, they, they've they had their own abuse. Everyone's had their own abuse. The other thing that people are interested in is how to, how to connect with their spirit guides, which is what I'm going to be helping them with this Sunday at the workshop at 2 p.m. Eastern, or... Or what is their purpose? And the the beauty of it is everybody has more of a purpose than they realize. They weren't meant to flounder here. 
And it, yeah. it doesn't have uh, it doesn't have to be a grand scale. They don't have to be like um, be be fond over or have their ego stroked. But when you're doing what you love to do, and you're doing it for the right reason, it just connects you to this this completeness within yourself. Like you're comfortable in your own skin. And yeah, um, you know the the. When you were, you were talking about everybody has it rough. Now, rough is, is relative, but it, it is and it is unique to the individual, you know, as far as what is rough. And it seems to me that something is rough because it's either uncomfortable or challenging or difficult. You know, those are the things that kind of make things rough, but those are the things that also expand your um, awareness and also your like you were talking about as far as empowerment, you know, recognizing um, you have the power to change or to, to, to cope or to transform. You know, there, there are so many different ways of, of working with, you know, those rough particular times. Um, Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, and, and, okay. So, so like people People have to understand that, like, like there's, there's, there's little um, treasures in their life, as rotten as they are. There's little treasures in their life that help them. Um, if they collect, I like to call it like collect the sticks, and, and and gather your own tools for your own wonderful life. Like um, I've seen really incredible people who who devastated in poverty, but they had one person who was backing them. One person, if one person was on their side, they could achieve. But some of us never had that one person. So that's what I like to do for those people who don't have anyone on their side. I like to be that one person, and I like to um, let them know that I see how great they're capable of being, and I encourage them to do that. Some people just need one person in their corner, and I can do that. The, the adults told me once, when I realized what incredible shifts I could make in a person by, like, releasing the stagnant energy and I could take out, you know, issues that were debilitating issues, the, the adults told me one day, if you can do it for one, you can do it for seven billion. And and I've always thought of that, and that's why... Um, the SFT protocol and the tasks I put out there are my intention to like uplift all seven billion plus people in the world. Yeah, well, you certainly in the book, and we'll talk about the book a little bit later. But you certainly cover every area <laughs> that I could think of. So, um, and some I wouldn't even dreamed of. But um, now, but let's. I want to get back to a, one one thing that kind of um, you you slipped in a little bit about um, the travel that you had, and then also about Madame Blavatsky. Yeah. Um, so, and then when I said that you had an interesting history, <laughs> that was also what I was referring to oh, that particular thing. So, would you so would you mind sharing with the listeners that experience? Okay. So, so. Um... So about 14 years ago, I, I met this guy who, from this retreat I was at. Little did I know that he was going to end up being my captor and and 
hold me prisoner for a year and try to starve and kill me. But before that, we were just connected uh, um, by by phone and everything. And it was done that I saw a picture of Madame Blavatsky on the Internet or something, and and they just said, that's you. And I didn't want to believe it because she was so homely to me. <laughs> I, I, that, that was awful. I mean, she looked like my sister who and my niece that had, like, like, my mother used to say I had horseball eyes. But I never knew what that meant. But I saw that Madame Levatsky had, like, horseball eyes, whatever that meant to my mother. I saw that what she meant. And so speed up all these years after I was starved and nearly tortured, went through enlightenment, came back thinking I was a retarded boy, come back and um, I held up a picture of Madame Blavatsky 14 years later in front of a relative and his his mouth just dropped. And it, it looked like we look identical. And and so, um, and I've been told since then that I write like her. And there's some really interesting coincidences, like her first book was published in my hometown where I live now, and that bookstore is still there. And, mm. um, now, who, who was she? What was, what was her, I guess, who? claim to fame? Or what was, yeah, tell us a little bit about her. Madam Blavatsky. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that, I think she was self-conscious in that life, too. I, I sense that self-consciousness still there. Um, she actually was this dynamic. She was from Russia, and she was, like, rich in that lifetime, and she traveled the world and stuff. She actually started, she collected um, all this research um, regarding, um, re- what is it, religion and science. And so she was trying to bridge the gap between religion and science. I think I got that right. And um, mm-hmm. she started the Theosophy movement. Have you ever heard of Theosophy? Uh-huh. And, I, but I they, have. Mm-hmm. And, and then they kicked her out. They, yeah, which was unfortunate because without her at the at the focal point, it became more of a mental thing than like of the heart. So that was disappointing, mm. and um, she actually um, taught the spiritualist movement, you know, like seances and all that and everything. She, so. Yeah, I had uh, I um, long time ago I had um, come across um, someone who had uh, found or cleaned out um, the home of someone who had passed them, um, but anyway, in their in their possession was um, a box and they had, you know, the old um, spiritualist newspapers from 1930s and, and 20s, you know, and they had, I mean, it was just, it was just an amazing time during that yeah. period with, with what they were looking at. Absolutely. Um, actually, um, to be honest, because I write, you know, I have 19 books in this lifetime, I find it hard to go back and read, read her, her writings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I have a hard time reading my writings in this lifetime. It's just like, it's just like this, this bombardment of information flooding through me that I can't, um, I can't stop and read other people's stuff. It just comes out all the time with me. So yeah. Now, one of the okay, one of the things I want to talk about is when when I was going through and, and reading 
the introduction in your book, um, you talk about um, the different planes of um, existence, I would think. Mm-hmm. There's se- several different planes. We have physical, casual, mental, and astral. So mm-hmm. can you tell us about those planes and what, what is like, you know, unique to them and, and, you know, to tell us about the specifics of each of those planes. Okay. So the physical, obviously, all these levels right. of existence are just different vibratory rates. So we have a, within ourselves, we have a physical makeup, but we also have an emotional body, which is the astral plane, uh, a causal body, which is where the Akashic records are stored, and a mental body. And these are all in the worlds of duality, meaning the yin and yang, positive and negative. So, um, and and so the astral body is the closest one to the physical. And a lot of people are sometimes in the astral realm when they think that they're in the physical because they're looking at, because they're so similar, sometimes they're in their astral body and they think it's the physical body. So, so. This shows up in like people who have dreams and the dream is just like Earth. It's because the astral plane looks a lot like Earth. So, so when people cross over in death, all they're doing is slipping out of their physical vibration and they're existing in full life and everything on the, on the astral plane. So when someone crosses over, you shouldn't count them out like, like you're never going to see them again. That vibratory rate is here with us. It's just a refiner vibratory rate. It's like it's it, it's all inclusive. So when people are really missing their relatives, sometimes when they go to sleep at night, they're slipping out of their physical body, going into the astral plane, and they're visiting their, their relatives, and it's like everything is fine. And then when they come back into the body in the morning, they forget that they've connected with them. It's really that simple. And there's a lots of ways where the the loved ones from the astral plane, because um, the astral plane is where the heaven is, where most people think of as heaven, is on the astral plane. It's not very high on the evolutionary scale, but that's where most people are. And um, so, so um, you know, yeah, it was. I want to kind of step in one second. There was, you know, when you were talking about um, the. You know, someone passing and then not counting them out. Um, just last night, I was at dinner with a good friend. Um, her husband passed um, now probably a couple of weeks ago. But um, but from the time he, that he got notice from the doctors of the seriousness of things, it was 11 days from the time he got noticed to the time he passed. I mean, it was like a real quick exit. Um, And then we were at dinner last night, and and she was saying that um, she – and she was at her sister's place, and and that um, she, you know, felt someone sitting on the bed. And and, Mm -hmm. um, anyway, um, you know, woke up, you know, after quite a bit of time, talked to her sister, you know, why did you come and sit on the bed? What did you want? I didn't come in on the bed. And um, then my friend was kind of like, hmm. And the sister said, don't you go there. I won't have any of that devil stuff in my home. No, <laughs> it's, it's me I was like, Yeah, I know. I was like, you know, she, I think she knew that what, exactly what the connection was. You know, I mean, she, I think she had a really good sense of what it was. And, and even, you know, 
someone throwing it out, you know, that uh, that judgment wasn't going to kind of shift her. But, I mean, I it was interesting because I thought, you know, it's interesting how people re- react to, you know, circumstances where there might be um, uh, a little bit of um, intermingling of planes, exactly. you know. Yep. And, um, but but I also I noticed in your one of your um, one of the areas of for tapping was the devil. <laughs> you know, I had to go to look at that because I was sure it was just last night. Um, but um, so what I want to I kind of want to do right now is you know we have those cases where people can you know recognize for themselves they can mm-hmm. sense what resonates to them is to be true. Um, now and and some people to some people the devil, the, you know, and, and demons and curses and those kinds of things are, to them, they're real. So, um, and, and I just thought it was interesting that you had it in your, um, as, you know, as one of those things to pay attention to. So would you mind sharing with the listeners um, your view of um, kind of maybe what, what, what happened from, from my friend, but also the, the idea of, of the devil and, you know, and why you, why you included that in that, in your, your list of focus, focus points. Well, just because the only thing that keeps people from really transcending to their own empowerment is fear. And if you think about the, the, one of the things that the primal things people are afraid of is afraid of to die and afraid of the devil. So, so in my point of view, um, the devil is a servant of, of God in the way that people perceive the devil. Now, I perceive him differently because, like, I have compassion for everyone. And so in, um, think about it. If people really believe that God is everything, how can anything take God down? So God is not at the same level as the devil. The, the devil serves God in and what he does is he um, tempts individuals and strengthens them. But he can't conquer God. So, so um, there's, there's a part of a um, belief system, like, like with curses and stuff. People think all curses are nefarious, but all a curse is is someone, someone inflicting their will upon your free will. Like right. like, parents saying you're never going to amount to anything unless you go to, you know, business school or whatever or become a doctor. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a form mm-hmm. of a curse, especially if you have a creative child or whatever. Or if you have a lover say, you're never going to love anyone but me. And so that's actually a curse, and that can circumvent someone's free will and shut them down. So those kind of things are, are curses. They they don't seem evil, but they're not meant as evil. They're just harmless, but they're not harmless because they affect the person. So, so anything that someone could fear, like even the devil, when you have so much love and compassion and truth in you, you're not even afraid of such things as, as the devil. And because um, a lot of that fear is man, man elicited fear. God mm-hmm. is love. Anything that's opposite of love doesn't even exist. Something like that. I mean, it yeah, depends. Yeah. I don't want to like. Well, yeah. I was, I was going to say that. I was going to say that. You know, when I went through and read 
the statements that were included in that section in the demon section i mean i I can see the empowering benefit of those i mean it, you know you often i think in the in the introduction in your book you indicate that you know the the statements are meant to be empowering you know the individual that that, that you don't you know in, in reclaiming power so you know i could see yeah. that very much as a method of reclaiming power that one feels was given away absolutely and now now demons is is like like entities and stuff to me that's just negative energy so what happens is like you you get bumped up, up your energy system gets bumped against an issue and um you get like some stagnant energy within you you know maybe it's fear-based whatever but stagnant energy is just energy that's not moving so if it if if um you're harboring the stagnant energy and then it's with you for a while or it's around people enough it actually starts to um mimic humans so lots of times what people think is demons is just dead energy stagnant energy it's been around so long that it's developed a reverberation like a personality. So you just you just take the fear out of it and you just address it like, um, and what I do, I call them energy matrices and complex energy matrices. And actually one of my protocols on my website is, um, is considered an exorcism. And I don't call it that on the website because it's too scary for people to think. And the whole point is, you don't have to be afraid. So it's called expunge yeah. negativity. And what it does yeah, is it's the psychic energy that infiltrates a, a person and um, inflicts this other um, other will on them, which is it could just be a um, dead energy like an echo or a hiccup. And it's not even yeah. that real. Yeah. It just knows how to elicit fear. But the fear itself, when people have fear, they're feeding something. That's why um, people in power like to create suffering, because what they do is, through that suffering, they use it as as fuel for their nefarious intentions. So something yeah. I do for the collective is I, when someone is doing that, creating suffering, um, because I know how I can dissipate the psychic energy that that suffering creates as a byproduct and dissipate it. So that way they don't have the fuel to, like, um, control like they would if the suffering went unattended. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, Jen, we're about halfway through the show, so I want to take just a quick break. And, again, I do want to invite callers, if you would like to call in and ask Jen any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359. And uh, if you want to ask a question, be sure to press 1 so that I know that you want to ask. Um, And then when we come back from break, Jen, I want to talk um, specifically about the um, SFP um, process, you know, exactly what it entails, so people can kind of get a handle of that, okay? Sure, that sounds great. Great. Okay, everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder 
that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Jen Ward, and we're talking about her journey, her work, and her new book, the SFT Lexicon, and also talking about the technique, certainly the spiritual freedom technique. You can find out more by visiting Jen's website, which is GenuineHealing.com, and that's Genuine with a J, J-E-N-U-I-N-E, Healing.com. GenuineHealing.com. That's very clever, Jen. <laughs> you need to remember. <laughs> well, um, before I started the website or whatever, years ago, my niece said, you know, you're really genuine with a J, and so it just stuck. That's well, yeah, it, was, it, it works. It definitely works. So let's, if you wouldn't mind, explain to the listeners exactly what SFT is and your protocol. Okay, good. Um, sure, SFT stands for Spiritual Freedom Technique. And um, so, so what it entails is a tapping protocol where um, we realize – that the brain is like a 3D printer. It manifests everything that you put out there. Unfortunately, since people don't realize that, they manifest negative things. Just your words, what you say, what you think, are like are like commands for what your brain manifests. So um, to bypass all that negativity, we've I've created these taps that. Um, that you tap, like you say a statement three times while tapping on the top of your head, which programs it into the 3D printer of the mind. And then you tap again on the chest to set it into the body. And then you say it one more time and tap it into the abdomen, which prevents it from, like, going into the body and lodging, so it just, like, completes the set of taps. And what it does is it tells, it bypasses the ego because the reason affirmations don't work, like I could say I'm a size 3 or size 5 or whatever, and my ego is going to say, you're not a size 5, you can't stop eating, you haven't been a size 5 even when you were 5. And it'll just berate me that way. So that's what right, happens right. when we say an affirmation. The ego doesn't want us to change. The ego likes the drama. The ego likes, it feels more entrenched when it has a lot to worry about and 
ruminate over. It's the higher self that has your your intentions, pure intentions, um, in, in mind. And so, what you're doing by tapping is you're um, connecting to the higher, your higher self, and bypassing the ego's scrutiny or the ego's veto power. And these these taps are really dynamic. So what I do in private sessions is I can read people's past lives. So if, say, someone has a neck problem in this lifetime, it's usually one of four issues. It's usually being decapitated, being hung, being choked, or having their neck snapped. So I can go into their, their past life and be seen what the trauma was. See, I get to see everyone's trauma, it, and that's what people's physical and emotional pain is. It's their body crying out for um, validation of something where they were wronged. And and they don't think many lifetimes ago. They just, kn- they just know the moment of now. So whatever was the most horrific pain in this energy field's life, whether it happened this lifetime or many lifetimes ago, that's the one that's going to cry out the most. And so in private sessions, I go to the place that's in the most pain, and I I um, word it for them, and I have them tap out their most horrific pain. And I can feel the release. They can feel the release. And it's like it's like goes from like feeling like broken and, and not comfortable in your skin to like, oh, wow, there is relief. So once people yeah. um, start using the SFT and they get a little bit of relief from it, they might have reactions at first where they don't want to do it, but that's the ego. And if they get back past that, they might start yawning or feel anxious or start sweating or feel tingly or feel more spacious or loopy. They'll have any reaction. Any reaction is their their body or energy system telling them that there is a shift happening. So it doesn't matter what it feels like or how they interpret it. It's still evidence of a shift happening. And because you're releasing mm-hmm. something negative, it's a positive shift happening. Does that help? Yeah. And the body's not used to it sometimes with that no, particular... No, the body's used to being uncomfortable. Yeah. So, like, sometimes mm-hmm. people will have a negative reaction because they don't know how to be pain-free. They don't know mm-hmm. how to be, be um, peaceful. They, they use the pain as a crutch because that's all they know. It's almost like a uh, an abused animal that wants to go back in the cage because it, it at least it knows what to expect in the cage. That's what the human yeah. consciousness is like. Yeah, that's um yeah, that's that's it's it's crazy the what the mind um how the mind creates, you know, from from our thoughts and, and what we're comfortable with. You know, we were talking about earlier about um, about abuse, you know, for someone who doesn't know anything other than that, you know, um, then it's, yeah, then to them it's just life, you know, and um, and it's not until later that you recognize, you know, that it's 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 not the way it's supposed to be. Um, now, yep. one of the things about the statements, you, you know, you talked about the statements that people are making, and I love them, they're very positive and you know, they're very empowering. Um, but one thing I thought that I'm just stuck out, and it's kind of funny, but um, it, you indicate to forego sing-song 
or you know, doing these song, uh, doing these statements and sing song or with bravado. Yeah. So, and I, I just laugh because I mean, my first you know inclination would have been to do the sing song as far as being able to you know Absolutely. I'm not a very much of a bravado kind of guy, but but I am a sing song kind of guy. So, um, but tell tell the listeners exactly. Um, you know why that you know might be a kind of a sabotage of the mind, or and, and sure. what is what is the right the proper way to do it? Sure. So now, sing song is different from singing. Singing is beautiful in a way to connect it with higher consciousness, but sing song is like doing them in a melodic, like I am a powerhouse. You know, just I can't even like <laughs> fake doing it because what it is is the ego trying mm-hmm. to distract. The ego will. Um, if it if you're going to force the ego to do the test, it's going to sabotage in any way. So it'll do them in like um, melodic ways or or obnoxious ways. They'll do the test, and they'll more forceful and dramatic ways. It's just a way for the ego to like stake its claim still. So, and so it kind of it kind of like the idea, and then kind of also is it diminishes the words, the intent of the words. Yeah, because it's yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's being a show off. Like it's allowing the ego to show off and like distract from from the 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 words are actually uh, latitude and longitude are a coordinate to release your pain. And the more cutting that you make them, the more precise. Like like say I'm like your Spock or like a robot. You say them that that matter of fact. Like we're talking right now. Because that makes them clearer, and it's like cutting through. You're actually literally cutting through stagnant energy and, and lobbing it off the energy system. It's it's like surgery. It's like energetic surgery. Okay. So now one of the things that, um, that we kind of mentioned a little bit oh, before we do that, um, SFD, spiritual freedom techniques, um, that differs from EFT, emotional freedom techniques, which um, mm-hmm. many have heard about and I've had some shows on it. How, what, what's the, the difference between the two? Okay, so the emotional body is the astral body. It's a, there's a physical body in vibration, and then there's the astral body. And the emotional freedom technique implies that it only goes as high as the astral body. So it helps you have a nice life here in the physical and astral, but it's not working to actually get rid of all your... The the SFT can actually address karmic issues and get rid of issues that you've been dealing with all your past lives and just cut through it. And it's, it's more biting and it's more sharp and it's like... The part where we're saying in our moments is like we're taking care of the issue in this lifetime and in every subsequent lifetime. So, so there's that. And um, yeah, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. No, that's fine. Yeah, I was just um, I just wanted to um, highlight for the listeners to recognize that there was a difference between the you know, and oh, cause, again because oh, I've oh. had shows on I had shows so, on emotional. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. Uh, is, uh, so what happens, what people don't realize is like with the EFT, with the SFT tapping, um, I've been able to stretch my consciousness. So I don't know where you are in the world. I don't care. 
I can tap in and I am helping that individual through their tapping, through them doing the taps that I have created. That's their conduit to my help. And I have stretched my capacity to help all those people because that's how the adepts have been working with me to do so. So that's another um, benefit is my personal assistance in it. Um, a few years ago, I would put out a, a new, fresh set of taps, and I would put them out on social media. And then when people started doing them, I would pass out for hours because I was oh, assisting wow. <laughs> them really. Yeah, so I've been building up my stamina to do what I do for years. Oh, I guess I'm now... One of the things also that intrigues me is that you mentioned a couple of times of the Akashic Records. Akashic yes. Records. Um, tell, would you mind telling the listeners your experience, what they are, and what, what your experience is with them? Okay. So the Akashic Records are stored on the causal plane, which is the next plane up in the vibratory rate from the astral plane. And I see them as images, like like. It would be no different than you're remembering the, what happened in a movie and you replay that in your head. Mm-hmm. Well, I see those, except I didn't see the movie. I'm seeing them for the first time as people's past lives, and there's whole scenarios and everything. And um, I can read them as easily as people can read um, the newspapers and everything. So, so these Akashic records, like... You can tell when you go to sleep if you're on the causal plane because you'll have dreams of being in a, um, maybe in a library with a card catalog and have, or have a photo album or have a, mm-hmm. be in a art museum. And all these things are ways of the mind to um, depict that you've landed in the causal plane and you're looking at your past life records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've always been fascinated with the, the Akashic records and, and just the, the idea. I mean, you know, in a way, it's kind of, you know, my, my background was in psychology in college and the Jungian idea of, uh, you know, the, the greater, um, you know, greater consciousness or um, to me, it's just, it, it's interesting, you know, it, it kind of presents a, um, a structure in a way for people to, to, to be able to give answer to why people are experiencing some of the things that they do, you know, like you mentioned about the neck issues and, you know, kind of how that could happen across lifetimes. So anyway, I just thought that, I just think that the, you know, the case of Greg is just really interesting, you know. Yeah, and it's it's amazing how much, if people can forego, if people can um, subscribe that they have past lives and they can, like, um, the reason there's so many conspiracy theories out there right now is because people want to know who they are. And because of, um, maybe belief systems shuts down the understanding of reincarnation, it doesn't mean that they don't remember their lives or they're not locked up in them. We all remember our past lives. They're all there. So, so um, conspiracy theories are almost like a lateral move of trying to figure out who one is and try to stay within the confines of their own belief system. Now, if they can forego the belief system and be okay with that, the the mm-hmm. inner realms, the physical, astral, causal, mental, and etheric planes are vast, and, and there's so much to explore and to understand about oneself. And you can ask 
any question, any question to the universe, and you can get your answer just by paying attention to when it shows up for you. It's really amazing. It, it, that's wild. Uh, now, as I mentioned, your book has well, it has more than 470 pages of statements in, under different topics, so there is, like, plenty to go through. So now I, as I was going through and looking at the different topics, I thought I could use that and I can use that mm-hmm. and I can use that one. So um, would you mind sharing with the listeners kind of for you, when you meet with a client, you obviously are able to identify you know, what area maybe needs attention first, mm-hmm. you know, because I, mean, I would think that if you're, you're a living human being that there are probably men, you know, several, at least several different areas that you could, you know, use to have blockages removed. So right. would you mind explaining kind of like how you, with a client, you know, determine where to go? You know, or even sure. if, if for the, the listeners who maybe, you know, get your book and they want to kind of explore for themselves, what would be the way to, where do I begin kind of thing? Okay. So, so when I, when I get a client, usually when the client gets a nudge that they need a session with me. So it's like this interconnection. And as soon as they mm-hmm. sign up for a, a session, they start to feel relief already, but they feel this strong desire to connect with me. And, um, when I ask them, I have to train them not to, like, tell me their issues. Because if you know what mm-hmm. your issue was, you wouldn't need me to help you. So don't tell me what it is. Don't, <laughs> don't, taint the, right. don't taint the atmosphere. So they get on the phone. I've never heard them. I listen to their sound. I get a sense of what's going on with them. I, I can't explain how I know. It's either something in their, their voice or something in what they say, and I know and it leads me, I see an image of, of something which is, and I ask them about it, and then they tell me about it, and it's like a painful thing for them in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I'm seeing the past life in which it originated. So I can actually paste together for them, you know, what the emotional issue was in a past lifetime. Ooh, you want an, a great example of it? That would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this one woman came to me, and she goes, oh, I'm in hell. And she kept saying she was in hell, right? And she was making herself more miserable and stuff. And so I tuned into her Akashic Records, and this was a few years ago, and it took me by surprise. I'm always finding new things. Because of her belief system in a past lifetime where it was like really, um, um, you know, hell and damnation, she mm-hmm. had sent herself to a hell. And after she had crossed on, she didn't... She didn't cross over. She went to a hell. She created a hell, a, a literal brimstone of hell out of her belief system. And so when I tuned into her, I saw that she had still kept herself in hell. And so, and she affirmed it through, I go, you're always saying things like, oh, I'm in hell, aren't, aren't you? And and that was the affirmation that I was correct. And so we did tabs. We pulled her out of that hell, and we dried up hell. And so, so um, when you have these, I call them engrams, they're imprints from past lives, they're images, and they're like pictures, but they're like living pictures, like holograms. And lots of times, people are trapped in that hologram while they're trying to live this physical life. So when I pulled her out of hell in that 
in that experience, it actually pulled her out of hell in this experience. So, so the hell that we dried up in that past life actually dried up some of her issues in this lifetime. Uh, another example of that is someone who has like low thyroid. This woman um, came to me and her thyroids were depleted. Well, as soon as I tuned into her, I saw she was running. She was she was in the process of being murdered, and she was running for her life. Now this image is playing over and over in her energy field. So that's why her thyroid was so exhausted in this lifetime, because at the same time she's trying to have a perfectly good life. Part of her energy is um, devoted to running for its life from that, with that picture or engram from that past lifetime. So what I do yeah. is I, I remove that engram, we erase that one, and then it frees up that energy to, that she was using for that scenario, and that energy is now fed into her glandular system and her thyroid in this system, and it fixes it. Hmm. Wow. You know, the... Um yeah, I, I've, I knew someone who, well, first of all, you know, the idea of you know, her creating the hell. You know, when, when you said that, the first thing that popped in my mind was uh, uh, that 1998 film with um, Robin Williams, What Dreams May Come, you know, where, you know, a woman, I think it was his wife, actually, you know, when she transitioned it, went to that hell, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, it was in, and I knew someone who was um, just about ready to pass and their, their big fear, and it was fear, you know, it was that, you know, what she had done in her lifetime, she was going to go to hell for it, you know, she was ever going to be forgiven, you know, all of those things. And I, it just, you know, I kind of flash back and then I'm thinking, oh, my God, why, you know, I hate that you are creating mm-hmm. this welcoming, you know, station that you're moving to, you know. and um, Absolutely. You know, and, I, yeah, so. And so, you know, it's beautiful about the SFT protocol. If this woman had had that before she crossed, she could release mm-hmm. all of that angst. She could yeah. she could free those people that she felt she had wronged, and there's yeah. there's a protocol called the energetic cleanse where you give back to that person all that you've taken from them, and you take back wow. all that was taken from you, and it's energy you really feel yourself becoming more whole, and so that's not even necessary anymore. People don't need to suffer on their way out anymore. I know, I know. So anyway, I just I wanted to kind of bring that up again for you know for listeners out there who may be dealing with something like that, because it's it's not uncommon. So, but our time has almost run out, Jen. So, um, are there any um, final words that you might want to give to the listeners? Also, do uh, mention again that um, workshop that you have on you said Sunday. Sure, this Sunday at two p.m. Eastern. It's befriending the adepts, which is learning to um, work with the spirit guides so they're not, like, scary and stuff, that they're more like you learn to raise your vibration through thinking of them as friends so that you don't push them away inadvertently. And um, mm-hmm. so, and then there's also I give the private sessions, which are, like, the private sessions I give are basically, like, what happens between lifetimes when you get to take inventory of your life 
and erase mm-hmm. a lot of the mistakes and come back. Well, kind of like my one of my sessions is kind of like doing that without having to cross over for before you do that. <laughs> so it's like a um, reboot on your whole life. So I, I'm still able to offer those right now, which is really Great. dynamic. And- and you are on Facebook. We're connected there, so thank you for mm-hmm. joining me there. And, um, and um, so for people I also who are have this, this cute little podcast on genuine healing on YouTube. It's called Jen and Her Jammies, where me and my fiancé, we talk about spiritual issues in a real light, funny way. I have I have my, my teddy bears, and he's all polished and businesslike. So it's like really a fun, different dichotomy between us, so. Well, fun. Definitely have to check that out on YouTube. Well, thank mm-hmm. you for your time today, Jen. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. I really enjoyed you. You have such a kind, loving voice. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I look forward to following you on Facebook and, and your journey as well. Thank you. Likewise. Okay, everyone, again today, my special guest has been Jen Ward. We've been talking about her new book, The SFT Lexicon. I mean, again, it's an easy-to-follow guidebook, and it is very easy to follow, and it has subjects, all kinds of subjects. There's more than 470 pages of statements used for the SFT tapping. Um, you can also find out more about Jen um, by visiting her website, which is GenuineHealing.com, and that's Genuine with a J, J-E-N-U-I-N-E, Healing.com, and check out um, all that she has to offer there. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show, and until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.